0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional cost. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Earn Your today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com Earn Your Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give you all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. you understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click. Absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy to use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel. a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. Earners, it's 2021, the year of execution. In order to execute, we have to have information. And the number one place to get the information, EYL University. Shotty, tell them what we're bringing.
1: Yes, EYL University has been reloaded. We already have 100 past webinars. We already have weekly webinars. We already have our private investment group on Facebook. We already have monthly financial planning calls. We already have bi-weekly real estate calls. But what has been added to EYL University this year is access to MG The Mortgage Guys Home Buyers Blueprint, which walks you through the home buying process from A to Z. And what has also has been added, breaking news alert. Everybody breaking always news. asks to be in our group How do chat. I
0: get it, How and I get it, when
1: we talk about all the investment plays that we are making, we are going to have investment calls, group chat calls with me, Troy, and the whole team and walk you through our plays that we're making and give you insight into our portfolios. All of that for 75% off. That's right. We are doing a blowout sale, 75% off for a limited time only. Go to EYLUniversity.com right now and sign up. See you on the other side. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Bag drop. (laughs) Bag (laughs) drop. a mic drop. (laughs) Bag drop. Bag drop. All right, guys, welcome back, EYL. We had our last leg in Atlanta. This time, we'll always be back. It's always love out here. Yeah, yeah. So we ending this with a bang. Big, big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is one that I'm excited for. I know Troy's definitely excited Oof, for. Inky spirits Johnson. have been lifted. Inky Johnson, if you're not familiar, you've been under a rock for the last five years, 10 years. So I don't even call him motivational speaker, inspirational speaker. Confident. No um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, For sure. Um Father, family man, best-selling author, philanthropist, entrepreneur. Uh, The list goes on. Um, And this is going to be a dope conversation because we've never really have have had a detailed conversation with anybody that was a motivational, inspirational public speaker on a really, like, larger scale. Um, So, A, for me, it's always dope to actually get the backstories and learn the inner workings of it. But then also from a technical standpoint, learning the business and learning about, you know, putting yourself out there. A lot of people, I feel like everybody has a story. Like Ash Cash says, everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. Everybody should write a book or everybody should, because you never know who could relate to you, who could help. Mm -hmm. And um, just like you're watching somebody on TV, somebody potentially could be watching you on TV on the Mm -hmm. flip side. So this is a conversation that, you know, is going to cross a variety of different fields and factors, I'm sure. So first and foremost, uh, thank you for joining us, brother. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure, man.
2: Got great respect, admiration for both of you brothers, man, and what you do. So I greatly appreciate
1: it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. So let's let's jump right into it. You know, people might have seen your clips on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have seen you on YouTube. They might have, you know, heard you from a variety of different outlets. Um, but they might not fully know, like, how you got to this point, right? Mm-hmm. So can we can we go a little bit about the backstory? I know you was a, an athlete. Um And, you know, your life obviously changed drastically. So can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely, man. Um,
2: You know, former collegiate athlete. You know, my whole life, you know, I wanted to make it to the league. Mm. You know, I grew up here in Atlanta, southeast corner, Kirkwood, Zone (laughs) 6. Zone 6. East Atlanta Santa. Future, future, (laughs) man, you know, all them cats be that, man. I grew up on that side, you know, product of Atlanta public school system. And uh, my mom had me at 16 and she took me back to 125 Warren, two bedroom home, 14 people. And I sleep on the floor, you know, on pallets, like no cats in the inner city. Some of the best times of my life. But I was fortunate because I got to see both sides of it. You know, you see the sides where a cat out in the street, they doing what they doing. And then you see the side when people get up and go to work every day. But me watching my mom. And so I wanted to make it to the NFL because I wanted to get my family a better way of life. And I was the first one in my family to go to college, play ball. In my junior year, man, I was a projected first round draft pick as a corner. Mm. I went out to make a tackle and I almost lost my life you know, mm. and it ended up changing my life. And my dream died that day, September 9th, 2006. You know, it became one of the greatest days of my life. You know, I started marrying my wife and
0: having my two children. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, even you yeah. saying that's the, one of the best days of your life, most people would see it as like, yo, that's probably the most drastic day of my life because my dreams have now been deferred and potentially ended. Absolutely. And that time, September 6th, what's the process of it? You're like, all right, this is all over. Or you're like, you know what? I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I can still be winning.
2: Yeah, it was surreal, man. Um, at first, just being honest, man, total transparency. I didn't think I could lose it that quick. You know, because I had been working. It's like if you work for something from the time you're 7 to 20 and you give everything you got to it, like you don't think you can lose it with an injury, right? Like I never thought I could go out one day and make a tackle. Even though you hear about it, you don't think it can happen to you. It's like when you tell a young cat, hey, man, do this, do that. You know, save for rainy days when a cat tells somebody that, cats be like, yeah, I hear you, but, you know, it's not going to happen to me. So when it happened, I was disappointed, but, you know, I knew I wasn't quitting. I knew I wasn't giving up, right? I I didn't have anything to go back to. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people all the time, like, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. And in that moment of adversity, I felt like being strong was the only choice I had. Like, I was coming from a two-bedroom home with 14 people. Like, what, I'm going to just go back to the porch? You know what I'm saying? Sleep on the floor. And so
1: it was about processing it and figuring out a way to use it. Mm. So in that moment, or at what point do you say, okay, 'Cause I'm sure that there has to be some level of like, you know, depression that kicks in or and then it's like, all right, you know what? Not only am I gonna get past this, but I'm actually gonna inspire other people by telling my story and, you know, just giving the game on it. So at yeah. what point do you realize like the way for you is actually public speaking and, and and sharing your story? Yeah, so that was um that was a
2: process. And so the nature of my injury. The reason I almost lost my life, I ruptured my subclavian artery in my chest. And so when they ran the test, they noticed I was bleeding internally. What is at, that? What's, what's that? The, the... It's like the main artery in your chest. Like you know? where your heart is? Yeah. Like I, don't, I just know that. Okay. You said that joined the main one. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, uh... So it's the main artery and I was bleeding, right, internally. But at the time when I'm bleeding internally, I'm sitting here and I'm talking like Re- we talk. Regular. Right? In a room, talking to my mom, chilling. And the doctor rushes in and my man's like, we got to rush you back to surgery right now. You're bleeding internally. You're about to die. And I'm like, I'm thinking he's joking. And he's like, nah, you're bleeding internally. We got to take the main vein out of your left leg and plug it into your chest. And the next morning I wake up. I got six cuts down my left thigh, one cut across the left side of my neck, one across the right, twice through my right ribs, cut out my right pec, bottom of my armpit to the bottom of my hand, 350 staples in my body. They bandaged me from my neck to my knees. Because when they went in to repair the artery, I had torn the nerves from my spine that controls my shoulder, my arm, my hands, and my fingers. And so at that point, it was like it's over. And I would go out and do community service even after I would do rehab and things of that nature because I needed something to shift my mindset. Right, and coming up, a lot of people had helped me and my family. And so when I would go into these environments, to answer your question about speaking, I would go in. And a cat, like, you could see my arm, right? You could see the atrophy. You could see right off, like, something happened to him. You know what I'm saying? So people would be saying, as we would be doing Habitat for Humanity community service, cats would just come over and be like, what happened? Like, what happened to your arm? And I'd just be like, I have a football injury. And cats would be like, no, nah, what happened? Like, tell me what happened. And I would just be talking to him, nothing, trying to speak, just informal. And we would get done, and it would be a crowd of cats. And we would walk off, and cats would be like, man, you might need to speak, And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm not trying to speak. Like, I'm good. I need a job at the time because I'm like, I don't want to grow up like I grew up. And I want to take care of my family, right, when I have one. And so from that point, man, I was searching for purpose. You know, it wasn't even about speaking at the time. I needed purpose. I needed fulfillment. I needed meaning for my life because at one point, being an athlete, it brought me that. Mm -hmm. But when people started talking about it, that was the first time my will started turning about and maybe I can use
0: what happened to me to add value to someone's life. Yeah. So I'm imagining like at, at a certain point, you're like, I'm just, I'm tired of talking about this. Yeah. I'm living it. Um, And that rehab process, obviously, was, was I can imagine, grueling. Yeah. But you said you wanted to go back into your, your community, right? So you, you have the injury, you go through the rehab process, you're back in Kirkwood, and you're looking for employment. So you yeah. go back to the, to the, to the rec center. What was, what was that like when you got back there?
2: Man, it was, it was wild. And so the the way I got back to Atlanta, I was pursuing a career to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And so I had been a graduate assistant for a few years. And I thought I was going to become a defensive backs coach, a position I played. And my wife calls me one day, and I'm in the office doing cut ups on the computer. And she was like, I got something to tell you. I'm like, what you got? And she was like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, you pregnant? Like, I think I might have said, like, how that happened? You know what I'm saying? I'm so shocked. Congratulations. Shocked. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? At the time, I'm not making no money. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a graduate assistant. At, at
0: Tennessee? Yeah, okay,
2: like, okay. I'm not making no money. Like, they giving cats, like, cars to go to the mall. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Simon cards and stuff like that. Like, I'm not making no money. So I'm like, I might have said something like, how that happened? Or something like, in shock. <laughs> And she like, how that happened? Like, you know how it happened. <laughs> and so I went in and talked to the coach. After I gathered myself, and I told him the situation. And I was like, I don't want to just leave. I want to handle the situation right. And he was like, nah, if you feel that conviction, you go there to Atlanta, man, and you be there for your family. Because I was like, I don't want my kids to grow up similar to how I grew up. And so at that point, I made the call to the guy that worked at the rec center in the city of Atlanta Parks and Rec, where I grew up. And I was like, man, I need a gig. And he was like, think you can come like yesterday. I got you. And so when I moved back, I called him and he had left and I went up to the rec center and I told him the situation and they was like, you overqualified. And I was like, what's that? Like, what you mean? Oh, I just want to work with kids and create leadership curriculums. And they was like, nah, we can't do it. And at that point, I'm two blocks away from where I grew up and I was confused. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, to be honest, I was like, God, like, I know you didn't bring me from Kirkwood. A two-bedroom home, 14 people, first one in my family to graduate college and even go to college and go through all of that, get that close to making my dreams of going to the NFL come true and bring me right back two blocks away from where I grew up in my wife's grandmother's home with nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I can't I can't understand that. And so at that point, that's when the faith journey started of what I'm doing now.
1: And so your first speaking engagement, you told me it was at a barn.
2: Yeah, man. <laughs> can, you talk, can you talk about that? Yeah, man. So so when I first decided, like, to do it, um, I'll never forget. I called uh, my boy Gerard Mayo. You know, he's linebacker's coach for the Patriots now. And I was like, man, I, I need fulfillment. I need purpose. And he was like, you need to speak. And I talked to my wife about it. And um, I prayed, bro. It was a simple prayer. You know what I'm saying? I don't know preachy stuff. I just prayed, like. Uh, Like, I don't know what you want me to do, right? I thought it was this, it's not that. I thought it was this, it's not that. Like, I yield, like, I give up, man. Whatever it is you want me to do, people are saying speak. If it speak, it feels right, I'll be obedient, right? And it says obedience is better than sacrifice. But as people, what do we do when we go on a journey or pursuit of something? We judge the level of sacrifice without first being obedient, Mm -hmm. right? What is it gonna cost me, right? What is this gonna do to me? What do I have to give up? Why do I gotta do this? So I said, I just want to be obedient. Whatever opportunities come, it ain't about money. It ain't about structure at this point. I just want to be obedient to what I feel like I'm being called to do with my life. And so at that point, you know, I get an opportunity from Mississippi and I go and it's like a 15 hour round trip driving. And I go and I speak like when I show up, I called my wife and I'm like, man, like, this right man, I'm in the backwoods. <laughs> I'm like, you I'm like, might need to call my cousin. You know, like, oh, this thing don't look right. And I go back there. They got the music going, the lights going. I speak. And keep in mind, like, when I talk to my man, I just told him I'll come. Like, I ain't say, hey, man, like, let us let me send over my contract, get with my assistant. Say none of that. I didn't have any of that. I spoke. And after I come off stage, and my man was like, thank you so much. And he gave me a coffee mug. And so I get the coffee mug, I drive back, get back like 3 a.m. and my wife was waiting up for me. She hyped, you know what I'm saying? It's my first gig. She was like, how did it go? I was like, it went great. And she was like, what you get? what they give you? And I was like, they gave me this coffee mug. And she was like, you sure? This is what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it feels right. I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I credit her for this because this could have altered my purpose if she would have been like, nah, nah, go do something else. But she was like, All right, cool, let's do it. Like, if you feel like this is what you're
1: supposed to do, I'm gonna rock with you. Mm. Yeah. So from there, how do you scale that into a business? Like, mm-hmm. all right, you you realize this is your purpose. Yep. You realize that you have a gift. I'm sure you're probably, you know, working on it and getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at what point do you say, okay. This is what I'm going to do for a living. Mm -hmm. And this is going to become my livelihood. This is going to become a business. Absolutely.
2: So at that point, when I decided that I had confirmation to speak, like this is what I was supposed to be doing. At that point, the money was the last thing I worried about because I didn't want it to jade my process. Right. And so the thing that I focused on the most was how can I become the most diverse in my communication, in my gift? Right. And so immediately I started going to all type of, Speaking engagements, right? I didn't pigeonhole myself and say, Oh, I'm a former athlete. I just want to speak to athletes. Oh, I love kids. I just want to talk to kids. Nope. Like, I'm going to go to the birthday party with the cats, 12, 13, and there's six of them. And they hit me like, Ain't, can you come speak at my kids' birthday party? I'm like, Bet. Ain't, can you come to the country club? We got elderly women, 70 years old. I'm like, Bet. It's 10 of them. Bet. Ain't, can you come and speak to these C -C 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 suite cats? That. And can you come and speak to these athletes? And I'll never forget a cat said to me, like, man, why do I see you in all these different environments? Like you speaking to elderly ladies, kids, athletes, corporate, like, why are you going all over the place? Why don't you even just speak to one dynamic, one group, like athletes, that's your element. And I was like, no, I said, because I want to become diverse. I said, I didn't know a lot at that moment about speaking, yeah. but I knew I couldn't speak to everybody the same. And I knew the more diverse I was in my communication, the more opportunities I would get. And so I looked at the landscape of it and said, what's going to work for me and my family? Where can I go and speak and get right back home to my son's baseball game? Where can I go and speak and get right back home to my daughter's recital? Okay, corporate would allow me to do that. And so every environment I go into, how can I control the narrative with my content when I speak and when I put it out on social media, when I put it out on YouTube, when I put it online? The narrative that I'm trying to create is a narrative of even if I'm speaking to some elderly ladies, even if I'm speaking to kids, a corporate group can look at this content and say, man, that's great. We can apply that to our organization. And I knew the pay scale in corporate was a lot different. And so everybody else was a byproduct in terms of what I was trying to get to. Mm. And for most cats, they won't take the byproduct. They'll just say, I want to speak to corporate and they'll go and they'll crash and they'll burn. And so I'm gonna go with everybody else and use them as the byproduct to the goal that I'm really trying to get to, and the pay scale that I'm really trying to get to, while controlling the narrative at the same time and perfecting my craft and my processes.
0: Yo, that that was that was a lot, man. That was a lot because I heard family balance in there. Absolutely, I heard the practice and the work. Mm-hmm. And so while you were saying that, I'm like, yo, I know you studied uh, sports psychology in school. Absolutely. Public speaking wasn't your thing, and communication yeah, was it? Yeah, so yeah. that it, the practice made you, I guess, the expert at it, the, the mm-hmm. different diverse communities, that, that, that's what made you the expert.
2: Yeah, man, learning that, and just understanding everything. I wanted to understand everything that revolved around communication, right? And so for most cats, they'll look at me and say, like the, the world, like I never labeled myself motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Like that's never came out of my mouth, not one time. And so the world would say, motivational because when I speak, I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. But at the core of it, I'm just a servant. Like at the core of what we do, like when I look at business in the landscape of business, at the core of it, like we all in the same business. Like we just want to make an impact. We want to add value and we want to turn a profit. Right. But the way I look at what I do, I'm a servant. And so if I want to understand everything that revolves around communication, I have to study communication. So when we step on a stage and you got all these years of experience, behind your name and what you do, you've been in corporate, you work for Bank of America, or you work for this insurance company, and now I'm in a room and I'm speaking to 500 insurance agents, and you're going before me, and you got the experience, and then they see me in the, in the cut, and they see me dress however I'm dressed, with my collar, right in my jeans, and they looking at me like, what my man got to say to us? Like, what he finna come up here and say? Like, I get him, he, he worked in the business. I get him speaking to us. But what's this young cat? Let's be real about it. What's this young African-American? What's this young black cat? Got to say to 500 of us that do this every single day. And so if I know communication, if I know the feeling that you want your group to leave with, if I know how to index my stories and my content, I'm a murder my man. It ain't nothing against him. He might be nice. But he's just getting up and he's so cocky and arrogant and he thinks because I got the experience, Mm. because I've already been in the industry. I know the industry inside and out. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. But we all know it's not about what you say it's how you say it. We all know with perspective, it's not about what you see that matters, it's how you view it. We all know sometimes it's not about the things that you say, but how it makes the people feel that you say it to and how they receive it. it. And so in terms of me and my messaging I understand communication. I understand behavior science. I understand sports psychology. And so you might look at me and think, oh, I'm speaking. I did this when I was younger. I would walk into a room and see a cat speak. And we all know when you see somebody that's great at what they do or do it for real, like and practice it, you can walk into a room and see them do it. And you could be like, oh, that's easy. Because they make it look easy. Mm. You see them make the crowd laugh. You're like, oh, that's dope. I know I got some jokes I can make them laugh. You know what I'm saying? I know I got three in the pocket. And then you tell your three in the pocket, and they're looking at you like, uh uh-uh. uh, it didn't land. That plane didn't land. You know what I'm saying? It didn't land. And then you start to understand that, oh, it's more It's more to it. Right? And you got to understand that process of what is that that's more to it that can make them laugh, that can make them Ah, that can make them be like, oh, that can make them give you an ovation in the middle of your
1: presentation. So how'd you learn that as far as because like you didn't go to school mm. for that. Um And you're right. It's like one of those things where you watch a comic mm-hmm. and you like, I'm funny. Like I joke with my friends all the time. Yeah. I can get up in front of 10,000 people until you get up in front of 10 people and you realize it's not just because you're funny with your friends doesn't mean you're a comic and you realize that they actually work on it they have writers and they practice it and they go on the road and they test out their material Mm -hmm. like a comic will go on like small venues and test out their material before they go to Madison Square Garden and at the highest level yeah so how did you learn how to put material together how to engage the crowd how to become a a public speaker because it's not easy and it's actually the biggest fear that most people have is public speaking so How'd you learn that? I um, I incorporated like feedback forms
2: into all of my engagements and I still do it until this day. And so when you think about most cats, if they think they're nice at what they do, they think they're nice at what they do. And the cat don't want feedback or cat will discredit feedback or cat don't want to hear it. And so I wanted feedback because I knew I wasn't the best communicator. I'm still not the best communicator. By no means, but I think I put in enough work to where if I go give a presentation, like my due diligence, my preparation, like I'm going to put together a solid presentation because of my research and my amount of work that I'm going to put into it. And so with me, when I would get these feedback forms, I'll never forget. I was at an engagement and there was multiple speakers on the bill and it was pages of feedback. And I was speaking with, you know, a big public figure at the time and as they gave us these pages of feedback, you know, everybody kind of grabbed their joint and was like... Just
1: throw it away.
2: Yeah, like, man, all right, whatever. They ain't trying to see like, that. They talking, I ain't tripping on that. And I'm in the corner, like, I'm flipping through these things. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, di- I'm dialed then yeah. to them, like... And one of, one of my dudes come to me, like, man, you reading that? Like, what you reading? You speaking. You on the stage. You reading that? I'm like, yeah, I'm reading it. I'm like, because they're giving me feedback on what I need to do better. And I'll never forget... I read a comment and it showed up different ways on different pages. People would say it differently. And a person said, I love what he does, man. I love how he does it. Right. But she said, "Um, I can't understand sometimes if it's passion or if it's anger. right? Mm. I can't understand sometimes when he gets hype and he gets to going. Right. If he's happy about what happened to him or if he's really mad about it and it's covered up. Like it showed up several different ways. And so I was like, all right, cool. This showed up. I went and I watched several of my presentations and I cut the volume off. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just watched me. I watched my mannerisms. Your body
1: language. Watch yeah. my
2: body language, my facial expressions. I was like, they right. You know what I'm saying? And I went and I started altering my presentations. I went and I started altering, but I did that with several elements of my presentation. And I did this. Cats thought I just did it to master communication. Yeah, I want to master communication. But I also did this because I got a certain figure I'm trying to get to, right? I got a wife and I got children. Like I ain't out here just to be playing and running with some cats to say, oh, we speak. It feel good. We cool. No, nah, don't get it twisted. I got a wife and I got two kids. You know what I'm saying? And I feel as if what I'm doing, like I take it serious and I feel like I'm being trusted with a level of accountability when I'm put in front of a group to speak to them and it's people on the other side of them words that I would never take for granted.
0: So, so, when you take the uh, assessment, self assessment of yourself, I'm envisioning. Is it like your wife is sitting there listening to you rehearse a speech, giving you feedback? Are you in the mirror, like, all right, I got, wait, my eyebrows cringe. Nah, wait, <laughs> did I smile here? Like, what, what does that process <laughs> yeah. look like?
2: No doubt. So, it's, it's several different ways, man. I'll take a story and I'll just share it. You know what I'm saying? Because story, story telling is one of the greatest forms of communication. Like, you think about even when we were children, Think about a cat to get a bedtime story. You know what I'm saying you think about when you sit with your elders, a cat to sit around, and tell you stories for days and you'll love it. Right. You think about when a cat want to get something across. Most of the time they'll put it in story form. And so for me, I'll sit there, man, and I'll practice different ways to say a story. I'll practice different ways to say things. Right. And so I'll just sit there and practice it. I'll bring somebody in and practice it. But. Nah, I won't I won't be in the mirror looking at my <laughs> eyebrows. But I'll be practicing though. Now,
1: yeah, which what, what you said was actually vitally important, especially for content creators, public speakers, things of that nature, because A, you have to be open to feedback. Absolutely. And B, it's just like I always say like for me, learning like playing sports taught me more than like the academic side of school. So yeah, one of one of the things that I, I learned from sports, playing sports. I never forget um, you know, watching game film. And I have been watching game film my whole life. Like you know, even in high school, like we watched game film. And I never—I was the kind of person like I never really paid attention. I was in the back, like you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> yeah. I ain't really pay attention to game yeah. film. But um, I remember when I when I was at UMBC, shout uh, to Coach Monroe, and uh, I sat down with him, and uh, it was me and him in the office. And he was kind of like it was the first time somebody had ever actually walked me through how to actually watch game film because you're thinking you're watching game film and you're just watching it but I'm just watching it from just like, I'm just watching it. Okay. He's showing me like, you see this back cut this and he's pausing it. And he's like, so now this is my first time actually seeing it, how a coach is seeing it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it gave me a whole different perspective on how to actually watch the game. Like even like rest in peace, Kobe, when Kobe did that thing, what was it called? When he was breaking down game. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that's it. So it's like, I say that to say for you, that's like what I'm envisioning when you're watching yourself with the with the no volume on, and you're watching your mannerisms and all that. It's kind of like watching game film. Absolutely, it's like oh, I missed that cut right here. I got to do that. So I think it's vitally important for content creators a not to get defensive when somebody gives them constructive criticism, and also to watch your content. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying like Absolutely. I know like a lot of times like we put out stuff and be like we don't want to watch it yeah. after we do it, no doubt but it's like. By watching it from a critical standpoint, you can say, oh, I'm not making eye contact or I'm cutting somebody off or it'll actually help you tremendously.
0: Right. It's crazy you said that because my brother, when we started the podcast, he knows us. He's been around us our whole lives. And he was like, yo, I don't listen to anything. I watch it on mute. I listen to it on... I mean, I watch it on mute because I just want to see how much y'all engaging with each other. I want to see if y'all looking at each other. I want to see if y'all really enjoying it. And he was like, yo, y'all got it. Because I know, like... Y'all know each other so well that I know when he's about to say something and you start laughing, like he watched the and sold so and you say it, I'm like, yo, know, damn, like he knew that from the beginning.
1: And and that helped us a lot too. Cause when yeah. we first started the podcast, we used to listen, I used to listen to it like 10 times. And I was so critical on everything. And I was like, we were saying um a lot. We both were saying like, um a lot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I was telling him, and I learned because I, I actually <laughs> I have a degree in public in um communication. So I learned that when somebody says um most of the time, they're thinking about what they're gonna say. Yes, you know, so it's like um is like a a way to actually get your thoughts together. Yeah, so when You're yeah. like um um um. So when we you was kept, counting them, yeah, yeah it was okay, like thirty-seven yeah. um.
0: Yeah. It was even like yo, I'm like yo, bro, like yo, you talk like we got we cut each other. off. like we gotta get like spaced in between it. It was great because it'd be me and him in the room, and then um we was when he said the um thing, I was like, I brought it to my coworker. Shout out to Melissa. She was like. I was like, you think I'm thinking too much? She was like, no, you should
1: think before you speak.
0: <laughs> I was like, you know what? you right. I'm going to stop saying it, but I am going to keep that part.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So let me ask you this. When, when do you really hit your stride mm-hmm. and become, all right, so you're figuring it out. You're, you're working with a variety of different groups, church groups, uh, sports, like you said, old ladies, anybody that's listening. Mm-hmm. But your goal is to eventually move up into the corporate world. Because if anybody's not familiar, that's like real real money is. and. Mm-hmm. In the public speaking game, they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on who you are, to bring you into corporate events, things of that nature. So when do you really start to hit that stride and move up to the next level? Yeah, so um,
2: in terms of just speaking, like in building up my presentation, building up my clientele, I have been speaking for a while. Like I started early 20s and as I was out speaking... Um, a lot of people didn't notice, man. Like, like, I've been making money and speaking for a long time, right? Because of my perspective about it, because of how I, I viewed it, and because of my nature to work. And so you could go somewhere and get paid a certain amount, do a certain number of those gigs, make a certain amount a month, whether it was when you first started and you want to get $60,000 a month, right? And you're getting paid whatever, whether you're getting paid 10 G's at the time, whatever. Slice it up and you go and you do the work. But when my perspective changed, one day, I'll never forget, I was speaking to an engineering company. It was years ago. And I go in and I speak. And I think at the time, it's probably the third biggest steel company in the world. And um, I'm in there and I speak. And I'll never forget, it was the first time I got $7,500 to speak. And I speak and I'm hyped. I'm stoked, right? I get back to my hotel I got my check. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I just got 75, right? <laughs> and I'm talking to the wife. I said, but something happened tonight, Joint you know, blew my mind, right? And this was years ago. I'll never forget after I spoke, it was a CEO in the in the crowd, like of he was a part of the company, but he had several divisions of his own. And he came up to me and he was like, Man, that was incredible. He was like, Can I pull you to the side and talk to you? I was like, Yeah. He was like, Um, I don't know what you got for that. It was like, but I would have gave you twenty to twenty five thousand dollars for that, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, in price, my head, price, I'm going like what? price going up, price like, going up. And he was like, yeah, Three man. <laughs> and check though, like that next Wednesday, my man hit me up and um, he offered me two separate gigs in two different two different cities, and he paid me that twenty a piece for each. And it changed my perspective. But what he said to me was, I'll never forget. He said, man, you're out here speaking. You work hard. I can tell you value what you do and you're doing it the right way. He said, don't do that to your family. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was so locked in on the process. Communication He was like, don't do that to your family. Don't undervalue yourself. Don't do that to your wife and your children. Right. Charge what you're worth. Right. You're worth this. Mm-hmm. Go out and charge it and go get it. People will give you this right, you've been giving everybody a deal, right, with how you operate. And that changed my perspective, man. That was that was years ago.
0: That, yeah. the, that's the epitome of know your worth. Absolutely. So can we talk about 2011, May 11th? Oh, no doubt. <laughs> sure. I know you know the date because um, it, it's a pivotal po- moment in your life when you meet uh, the biggest, one of the biggest bosses of them all. Yes, sir. That that, that lady who used to dominate TV and still does in media and to a certain extent. You run into Oprah. Yeah. But very intentionally. Mm -hmm. Can you break down that story?
2: Yeah, man. I I met Oprah. I was at a point in my life, uh, this was around the time when I was trying to figure out some things with speaking and just my purpose in general. And I had my book at the time, my autobiography. And um, I was questioning myself. I was questioning my purpose. I was questioning the creator. Right. I was at that point in the journey that we all hit at some point to when a cat be like, man, am I really supposed to be doing this? Like, is it really going to provide? Am I really going to be fulfilled? And I got up one morning and I was getting dressed and I looked at my wife. You know, she was getting dressed at the time. She was a school teacher and she was getting dressed. And I said, babe, you're not going to believe it. She was like, what you got? I was like, I'm going to meet Oprah in Chicago. I'm about to give her the book. And my wife was like, oh, ain't you know Oprah? And I was like, nah. And she was like, you know somebody at the studio? And I was like, nah. She was like, you sure? I was like, yeah. She was like, go for it. You know, me and my wife been rocking since fifth grade. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So she know me. I know her. And when she said go for it at the time, I probably had like $200 to my name. I was in my truck. I went out. I got in my truck. Like I left that day. Like when she went to work, I left. I got to Chattanooga. I called my buddy Jeff, attorney in Knoxville, Tennessee. He picked up. I said, Jeff, you're not going to believe it. Jeff's like, what's up, Ink?" I said, man, I'm headed to Chicago. I'm about to meet Oprah and give her my book. Jeff was like, "Ink, you know Oprah? I was like, nah. (laughs) Jeff was like, oh, I know what this is. He was like, "Ink, you're an extremely ambitious dude. He's like, I get it. He was like, man, but the chances of this happening are slim to none. He said, man, I want you to hang up this phone. Call me when you get to Knoxville. Like, I don't want you to go all the way up there and be too embarrassed and too hurt when it doesn't happen. And I called Jeff and I got the knocks. He picked up and he said, you're still going, aren't you? I said, yep. He said, stop by and pick me up, man. I'll just make the ride with you. And we get up there that night. Jeff, you know, he gets us a room, get up the next morning and I go downstairs and Jeff's standing in the corner, getting ready to go work out. And he watching me like this dude's serious. And I'm at the front desk like, man, you could tell me how to get the Harpo Studios. Like I'm dead serious. And they give me the little joint. And I go to walk out of the door and Jeff was like, "Ain't wait, man, Like I'm going to get us a little car real quick. And we go over there and we pull up. And this was when her last shows were happening around that time. Mm-hmm. People everywhere. I get out of the car with the book. Jeff was like, I'm going to go across the street to this little coffee shop. He's like, I'll see you in a minute. I'm sure this won't be long. And so I'm walking around the building. Now, keep in mind, I just got my book. I'm walking and every door that will open. If I was by a door, I would try to go in it. Right, just young, ambitious, right? Not thinking. And as soon as I was stepping the door, like, hey, I'm Inky Johnson. I drove up from Atlanta. I want to give open my book. They like, man, get out of here. Like, <laughs> we do not do that. Like, I'm like, bro, I thought y'all give away cars. Like, I just got a book. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all <laughs> tripping. <laughs> like, y'all give away cars on TV or something. They like, we don't do that. And I got so discouraged, bro. I went around the back of the building and I sat down, right? And I was like sitting just on the side of the building. I was like, man, my wife going to go off. And I'll never forget, I looked up. Everybody had went in the building. And when I looked up, I looked down the sidewalk and I was walking. It looked to be like a homeless gentleman. I sit down beside my man and I was like, how you doing? My man was like, I'm great. He was like, how are you? I was like, man, I'm cool. I seen better days, right? The irony of the situation. And when I look up, I see Oprah and her security guard coming down the sidewalk. And I stand up, it's just me and them, and I'm like, surely, when I walk toward her, the security going to come up, move me out of the way, but I'm going to still take my shot. And as I'm walking, she's walking. and They don't stop, and I don't stop. Get a couple of feet away from me. I said, hey, I'm Inky Johnson. I drove up from Atlanta. I wanted to give you my book. And first thing she does, like I got on a 2X suit at the time. Are you saying nowhere near 2A? The the picture is there. The the blue suit. Yeah, she grabs grabs the joint, like do a light little shake. She grabbed your suit? Yeah, yeah. She do a light little shake. Like, this is a nice suit. I think she trying to see. Uh. (laughs) She trying to run game, right? I was like, thank you. I was like, I drove up to give you my book. I would love to take a picture with you. She grabbed the book. She's like, sure. She handed it to the security guard. We take the picture. She was like, all right, I got to go in and do my show. And as she's walking in, my man, Jeff, running. He like, Ink, tell her to wait! <laughs> like, nah. Nah, you missed I was it. like, oh yeah, little Faith, boy, little,
3: uh-uh. <laughs>
2: and as I go to walk off, man, I never forget this. I go to walk off, her security guard says, he was like, hey, little man, he was like, come here. And I walk over to him, he was like, um, I'm not saying anything is gonna come of this. I'm not saying you're gonna be on her book club show, I'm not saying any of that. He said, I just want you to know what just happened, that never happens. He said, she'll tell me, go up, clear him out, or tell him, send it here. and She'll never get it. He was like, I'm not saying anything is going to come out of it. I just want you to know that that moment that just happened, it never happens. I was like, thank you. And I walked off and I sent the picture out, put it on social media. And Kat's was like, man, you going to be on the show? You going to be on the book club? You know what I'm saying? I was like, Nah. I was like, I don't care, man. It ain't about that. And then, you know, Cass like, what you mean you don't care? It ain't about that. You went all the way up there. I was like, it wasn't about that for me. I said it was about confirmation. And I was like, the creator showed me confirmation in that moment that he was still walking with that seven-year-old kid from Kirkwood, right, that fell in love with the game of football at a young age and wanted to help his family. I was trying to find purpose, right? Oprah was the vehicle. Oprah was the tool that God placed in in my journey at the time to say, Oh, bro, I got you. Like, if you want to do something this outlandish to see if I'm still rocking with you, do it. And I'm going to show you I'm still rocking with you. And so at that point, it gave me all the confirmation and all the fuel I needed. And I firmly believe amongst our journeys in life, like, it's some things that we encounter and some things we go through. Like, I'm sure y'all done experienced it with the podcast. Entrepreneurs experience it all the time. Like, God speaks, speaks to us in different ways. Like, things happen. Confirmation comes in different ways to where you know, like, Oh, that was that moment to tell me to keep pressing and to keep going, and that was that moment for me that told me, nah, I ain't keep going. I
1: got you. Did that relationship ever ever mature? To it anything? never yielded nothing. Okay.
2: Never yielded nothing. But bro. it just gave you confirmation. Yeah, it propelled my faith. It's probably the most important thing. I'll I'm show sure you
1: link back up. while one day. One uh, day. I think the stars. Yeah, <laughs> that faith journey is gonna continue. <laughs> Let me ask you this, um, because I'm sure you're aware of, uh, but I got put on. Shout out to. Val, she's a friend of mine. She was the first person talking about a rider. Mm-hmm. When um, you know, when I when we started first speaking, and she's like, You got a rider? And I'm like, A rider? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so she was like, you know, I'm gonna send you my rider. So in in her rider, it was like, All right, I need first class plane ticket, I need a four to five star hotel accommodation. I need to be paid 50% up front, 50% on the back end. She's like, You just can't be like saying, like, yeah, just give me cash. Like, saying. like you gotta you gotta you gotta treat this like a business. So yeah. can you talk about that and give some game mm-hmm. for the people that might not be aware of like how that works for the public speakers?
2: Absolutely. It's very important. And uh because if if you don't have that in place, you have nothing to hold them to. And the cat will finesse you in that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like casting a cat will be finessing in the street. Like you'll show up and that check won't be there. Mm. And the cat will say, Oh, something happened with accounting." Right. And but you don't went up and you gave them everything you had and you're going back home empty handed and you can't blame nobody but yourself because you didn't have any structure in place. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when it came to hotels, when it came to flights, when it came to deposit, when it came to direct deposit, whatever the case may be. I'll never forget when I first started, you know, you want to be modest. You don't want to ask for too much and you want to be respectful. And I was trying to do that. And the cat was like, no, like this comes with the business. Right? Like how you do what you do, you want to be comfortable when you go on the road. And so for me, like everywhere I go, it's, it's a first class flight in my rider. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere I go, they got me five star accommodations. Everywhere I go, I'm being paid before I go most of the time or I get the check on site. Like I don't go anywhere and I go speak and I'm not paid either yet or at that event because I look at what I do and I run what I do like a business. It's a real business. And so I treat it that way. But that writer, that contract is very important because if you don't have that in place, like a cat to get you to come and speak, you will speak and then it'll start to jade your process because instead of worrying about your content, now you're worrying about the money and worrying about how you're gonna get it. You need to be worried about your mission and your and your focus and your and your principles and your
0: values. So, so you obviously present as a solo entity, mm-hmm. um, are you also handling the business or you built out a team that creates the structure and creates the systems to make your job a little lighter, right? You you can just focus on the speaking.
2: Yeah. So got four cats, Um, you know, and we operate as a company. It used to be a point in time to where I was doing things by myself early, early in, in my career to where when I just started speaking and then opportunities started to come and I'm fielding everything, right? I'm negotiating, I'm talking to a cat, I'm emailing, Right. And then it got to a point to where I started to really structure my business and get people on my team. And um, a cat gave me some great advice early on, man, because I was speaking to these companies and to these corporations. And another thing, I wouldn't just go on the road to speak. I would go on the road to acquire, you know, knowledge. I would want to get information. I would go to these successful companies like I'm not just coming to speak. I want to learn, too. So I'm going to come and sit in the office and see, can I talk to you for an hour? Right. How how have you sustained this company for the past 30 years and been this successful with the amount of employees you got? Like, let me get some of that information like he Dave would tell you everywhere I go. When I go to like a place to where it's an event and people are speaking like, bro, I'm going to show up with my notepad. Right. Like if y'all have a live event and I'm there, like you can guarantee I'm going to be there with my notepad and my pen. and I'm going to be listening and taking notes. And I'll never forget. I was talking to a dude. And uh, I said, what's the most important thing you can tell me about a company, a business, building it out in a position that I'm in? Right. And he said, um, a little success can create a lot of overhead. He said a little success can create a lot of overhead. And for me, it was so important because a lot of times in speaking in whatever realm they're doing it in, cats go out and get 12 cats right? And don't even know how to control a payroll, mm. right? Why you got 12 cats? Why you going to get a building? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like why you got a bill? What you going to just film yourself? Like, every day? <laughs> now, when you got an operation in that building, like you got content in that building, you got events in that building, that's great. But for most cats, cats want to seem so big time and seem so important. Cats go get all these people and don't know how to structure it and don't know how to pay them. And so I'm all about being efficient and effective. So if I can get the job done with four cats, and we can turn a profit and do what we do in a great way, everybody, family can eat, and we can handle our business, that's us work. Yeah, like, that, cats be lazy. You that, know what that's saying?
0: incredible. Because in my mind, I'm thinking about one of your, one, my favorite quotes that you said. When you go into a space and you're like, yo, I'm, I'm willing, even at this level, to be going and taking notes and learning from other people. You said, I I, I want to read it to you, you said, locating ego in situations yeah. so we don't miss our blessings. Yeah, man. So I, when you started... Where was your ego, and is this something that you had to learn through the process? Like, you know what? Let me humble myself before, so I can continue the faith journey and see the blessings and receive them.
2: Oh, for sure, definitely, definitely had to uh, humble myself because you know when you're young and you're learning how to speak, you like a young cat that hoop. You know how to hoop. You get a crossover. You know what I'm saying? You know how to come from that triple threat. You know how to pivot. You just want to dunk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just want to smack. Once you learn how to dunk. Everybody getting posterized. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to put everybody on a poster. And it's the same way with speaking. Like, you're just going there. You just want to kill it. Like, you just want to go hard, right? I'm a passionate dude. I'm studying. Like, I'm seeing cats do what they do, right? I'm going to events, and the cat will tell me, like, man, like, you got the highest feedback, but you got paid the least. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you got the mo- you got the greatest feedback. Like, they gave you an ovation, but ain't got of everybody that just spoke— Bro, they paid you the lease. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's an ego check. Mm. But at the same time, I didn't take it and say, oh, man, they paid like a little boy. I'm like, bro, what did they do to get paid what they got paid? Mm. I ain't tripping. I got a wife and I got children. Put me on game. Let me understand it, right? I, I didn't want to be a speaker my whole life, so I never studied the industry. So when you tell me this, let me locate my ego mm-hmm. in the situation. Let me find my ego in the situation. Because as people, the reason it's so important, when you start dealing with things, whether it be anger, whether it be pressure situations, opposition, adversity, whether you're speaking and things are not going the way you want them to go, like at a certain point you gotta check your ego. Whether you get to a point and you think you demand a certain amount and you're not getting paid that, and so you end up pricing yourself out of the market, you gotta locate your ego. So you can be smart about what you do and learn how to navigate some of those treacherous waters to accomplish the goal.
1: It's um One of these things that's interesting as far as pricing for entrepreneurs, and I personally think the right price is whatever people are willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. That's the right price for a product. Because you might think your product is worth a whole bunch more, and it probably is, but if nobody's willing to pay for it, you're just gonna stand and like be broke, like about that. You know they to come. <laughs> so I feel like public speaking is the same way. Cause like we spoke to like Max Maxwell when he told us like he had Gary V come, and I think he paid him like a hundred twenty thousand dollars. And then you got public speakers that might make a hundred dollars, right? Yeah. And everybody's in between. Um. So how do, for people that's trying to get into the game, or even people that might be in the game, but it's one of these things where it's like, like you said, a lot of times you might just lowball yourself because you feel like. You don't want to tell somebody a crazy number and they in their mind, they're thinking like, oh, I would have paid you three more times than that. So how do you know what the right price is and how do you work your way up like periodically without actually pricing yourself out of situations? So
2: um, like a a strategy that worked for me, like early on, I would just try to put out different prices, you know, and try to test the market and see, all right, they land in that 10 or they land in that 20. They land at that 25, like, the most. And so, boom, I'm going to go with this. And one time a dude told me, he's was like, "Nah, if I don't do that, He's like, create the form. I was like, what form? The the price range form. Mm-hmm. So I just put it on the form. Mm-hmm. And if a cat wants you, get a couple of questions on there so you can see if they're serious or not. And they'll put their price range in there. And you don't even have to ask them. And so you could be thinking 25, but you create this form when your site or whatever source they're coming to witness and see you do what you do. You create the form, they put in the price range. And so you could have been thinking, oh man, I'm gonna do this event for twenty and the catapult on there, and we got a budget
1: of sixty to seventy K. That's what Lenny and Jeff said, right? Exactly. Like you you yeah. don't you, you don't really say your price, you ask, you ask what ask their the budget is. You ask what, yeah. what's Absolutely. your budget. What budget and then you'll know has. if you this is something lot?
0: that I can allocate time for.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, shout out to Jenny
0: What like yeah. They told us we that we made that, a Google Doc. And
1: you see people do it all the time. Like, even yeah. like um if you're working with like a PR perm or something like that, they don't they don't say what their price is. They say, "What's your monthly budget? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what are you yeah. looking to spend?" Well, we'll know what
0: we can s- provide you with.
1: No, that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because yeah. you don't really know what the price is if yeah. they give you a budget, mm-hmm. and then you can also offer a la carte services. Like, all right, I usually charge fifty, but your budget is ten. So here's what we can do: we can do a Zoom call, da 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 da. Like I've gotten some of the biggest.
2: um paying gigs of my life doing it that way that when i got the form through if i just would have looked at the gig i wouldn't have been thinking the price range that they were thinking Mm. right (laughs) and they blew me out of the water and i'm like bet i remember one time i was like brother they make a mistake and put us and then you talk to them you're like oh no they dead serious right and it, it was a blessing for me, man, because it, you know, it takes off a load in the situation to where you going back and forth. Now it's just, what do you have allocated? What's your budget? What's the range of it? And then y'all go from there. But
1: then yeah. you could do like different things, like a panel discussion. Absolutely. An hour, a half an hour. things yeah. like that. Let me ask you this. How, how have you been managing and how have you seen the industry change during COVID? We're in the age of COVID. Everybody's, you know, restructuring their business model and public speaking is one of those things where- You know, it shut down for the vast majority of the world for live events, virtual events still going on. So Mm -hmm. how has that affected the industry, you and how have you been able to pivot?
2: Yeah, man. So I think uh, with the nature of COVID and what it's done to the business, I think this is why relationships are so important. But also, I think this is why communication is so important and retainers are so important, meaning you already have relationships and you already have people that you speak for numerous of times, you already have contracts in place, how many times you go to these people, these organizations, these teams. And so when this hits, it's kind of just shifting, you know, the landscape. But with me, at the beginning of COVID, like I talked to a a couple of my buddies that were speaking, and cats just try to get greedy, right? Because you couldn't go live at first. Now, I'm able to go to certain places with small leadership councils, with companies and teams and things of that nature and still be able to do work. But when it first happened, like y'all said, it shut down everything and it was just virtual. And so what I saw cats do was get greedy, right? Cats, somebody hit them up. Hey, can you do this virtual? Cats just go crazy, right? Like, <laughs> no, nah, it's going to be this. And so they'll just be like, all right, bet, we ain't doing it. <laughs> and the cat just fall on his pockets, right? And so for me, when a lot of the companies and teams and people that I have been working with that I've already made money with, Right? Mm-hmm. Like I've already been making money with a lot of these people. I've already been serving them. When they hit me up at the beginning of COVID, I could see the climate of what they were going through. Like cats were panicking. Mm-hmm. Cats were stressed out. Inc. We just need you to talk to them. Bet, let's set it up. When do you all want to do it? Mm-hmm. How many times do you want to do it? This early. How many times you want to do it? All right, we could do two sessions. Boom, boom, boom. Can you do this? An hour, hour and a half? No problem. Let's do it. And I did it. I did a lot of them. I didn't charge a thing. And then once things got stabilized and people kind of got back into the pocket to where it was like, all right, now I see how to navigate it. Like all that bread came back times 10, yeah. right? Because of the relationships that I already had in place. And I was willing to do something that a lot of people wasn't.
1: And that was at the beginning of the pandemic. I was just focusing on serving the people. So you, so that's, that's key too. So it's like when even a lot of landlords, I remember Lord of the Slum, shout out to Fernando, um, He's a big-time landlord in Jersey, and he was like, you know, give your tenants, if you can, give them some leeway. Yeah. So you can't let them take advantage of you, but it's, it's a pandemic. Like, at the beginning of the pandemic, like, yo, give them a month off. Like, give them, you know what I'm saying? Give yeah, them a couple man. weeks to get them back on their feet. Like, you're trying to beat these people over the head, and they're going to be like, I don't got it. Oh. Find somebody else. No, it's it's a pandemic. Yeah. You can't kick me out. No judge is going to put me out right yeah. now. Not in New York, at least. Like, you know what I'm yeah. Go back up to New York, <laughs> So, yo. so, yeah. so yeah. So talk about that a little bit, because yeah, yeah like, I feel like that that level of just humanity, mm-hmm. even everybody's struggling, it's oh, no like doubt. you got you got to you know take that little loss mm-hmm. for the long term win. As they said, like instead of trying to just get in somebody's pockets right yeah, away, man. and it's like you gonna end up hurting yourself even worse.
2: Yeah, and, and I think what it comes down to. Like you said, humanity and valuing people like cats operate out of scarcity, mm-hmm. right? Like you operate out of scarcity. like it ain't going to be no more times where you can speak, no more times where you can make money. And it's going to make you make bad decisions and bad choices. And so for me, it's about valuing what you do first and foremost and valuing the people that you're able to service. And so for me, like a lot of times people see me and they say, hey, bro, you don't have a lot of products. Right. Like, what's up with that? And so it's a strategy on my part right? Like I'm trying to build up a level of trust with the people that follow me, right? Like in my industry, a lot of people sell things and they do a great job at it, whether it be courses, programming, product, merch, whatever, and they do a great job at it. And then there's a lot of people that do it and you can see it it's a quick hit. They just trying to get something. And so in my industry, I'm very aware of where I stand in terms of what I represent. I'm a young African American male. I'm 34 years old. Some of these rooms I go into, some of these companies I go into, cats are sitting on the front row like, what my man doing? And so I knew if I was out selling a certain product, Chick-fil-A wasn't going to call me. Mm -hmm. I knew that. I knew if I was out selling a certain product, like Wells Fargo wasn't going to call me. I knew if I was out selling a certain product, Bank of America wasn't going to call me. Right? I knew if I was out selling a certain product, the third highest selling steel company in the world, they weren't going to call me. Not because I was selling a product, but the perception that went along with the product of where I stand in my industry. And so in terms of me and how I view the landscape of it, when they call me, they expect me to say, oh, it's going to be this if you want me to speak at the beginning of the pandemic. I know you expect me to do it. I'm a young black man. Right. I got a gift. I know you expect me to do it. So I'm going to use reverse psychology on you. when you say what is going to cause it's nothing. I'm good. Right. I'm going to just add value to you. I'm going to just serve you. Right. And I'm in the pocket to where I can do it because of how I grew up. Right. Ain't out here living crazy. Ain't out here all over the top doing this and doing that with something to prove. No, I'm cool. I can do it. I can, I can hold my position. Right. And I'm going to provide so much value that after I provide the value, when you get stabilized and you get good and you remember people that helped you and looked out for you in the midst of adversity and opposition, the first person you're going to think about when you come out of the storm is, I'm going to look out for my man Inc., he Mm -hmm. served us. When it got hot in the kitchen.
0: So that's interesting because like now, right, and especially I know you're a family man. Absolutely. Even now, like, you, you have to go and you're coming back in the same day because you want to be around your family. Is it, what do you think the, the going forward what it will be for speakers, right? Because most people are like, yo, I'm good right here at my home. Oh, yeah, to get awesome. me to actually come to you, yeah, we, we're going to have to pay more. You think mm-hmm. that's where we're headed with this?
2: Yeah, I think in a certain instance it is. Like for some people, Right. And if you got the leverage to do it, hey, by all means, do it. But for a cat that don't have that type of leverage, I think he's gonna have to make that adjustment. Mm -hmm. And the virtual joint, man, that's sweet. Like it's sweet, bro. You Mm -hmm. can sit there (laughs) with your camera and you can get busy. And if you really can get busy, you can get man, it's sweet. You can knock out six in a day, and some cats gonna pay you for it. Like for real, for real. You can sit there in your living room, you can clock 80k. You know what I'm saying? And don't leave and go in there and, you know, fix you a sandwich, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Take use the
1: bathroom,
2: (laughs) pick your kids up in the carpool line. It's sweet. You know what I'm saying? And so, but when cats ask you to go to places, I think it's just based upon what works for you, man. And if it does work, you know, going and giving them people all you got. But I think it's going to work both ways. I don't think the industry will go back to the same. Like me, for example, I never used to do virtual cats used to hit me up and be like, "Hey, can you do virtual?" I just love doing live so much that I never tapped into it. But when the pandemic hit, you know, I had to have a level of mental agility to make that shift so I can do it and I fell in love with it. So, what's
1: what's what's next for you? Yeah, yeah. Vision as far as how far do you want to take this? Um, are you want to like help other people get in the game? Mm-hmm. I know you write books. Yeah. Like I know you seem like the kind of person that's always thinking ahead. The next, the next play. So what's the what's the next play?
2: Yeah, so I um I help a lot of cats, man, in terms of just, you know, talking in an unofficial way. Like, I don't have them on contract or have them on, you know, no program or anything like that. But for me, the way I view my speaking, like, a cat can speak for a long time. Like, you look at Les. Yeah. Les up there. Les Brown, <laughs> you know, the OG of it. But he's up there, and he's still able to do this. You know, some of the cats, Tony Robbins, you know, E.T. Like, you can do this for a long time. And so for me, I just want to be a good steward of my gift. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like a lot of times when when a cat speaks, like, it's exhilarating. You go, people are clapping for you, people going crazy. Like, a cat can get full of itself real quick (laughs) and prostitute that gift. You know what I'm saying? A cat can start to prostitute his gift and then end up with a landslide. And so me being a good steward of my gift making sure I'm using it in the right way. And also, man, just growing and scaling in different avenues, right? Whether it be universities, whether it be corporate companies and things of that nature, teaching more. Like teaching is something that I have on my agenda. Uh, becoming a professor is something that I have on my agenda. And so being a great steward of my gift is something else.
1: How does that actually... Cause you brought up a good point when Kanye said, Um, it's hard to be humble when you're stunting on a jumbotron, and it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, nah, it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy experience when it's like you know, thousands of people that's captivated by you, and mm-hmm. then everybody's trying to talk to you after you get off stage, the and doubt. you know what I'm saying? Like, how is that for you, and how have you been able to manage that and not let that, you know, go to your head? Because it's like anything, it's oh, yeah, like, you it's know, what it could definitely jade you oh no Mm -hmm. doubt so how
2: how has that been for you it's hard man that's why like i speak about locating that ego and the reason i say locate it is because like we can't kill it like we all got ego you know what i'm saying like we can't kill it we all got it it's a part of who we are and so it's that in different situations how can we locate it like we can walk out of the door right now and a cat can say something crazy and that ego gonna flare up immediately like hey man like it's on you know what i'm saying but When you locate it, nah, man, I got kids. You know what I'm saying? My man just talking reckless. He lost. Beat it. You know what I'm saying? Locating that ego. When you get up there and they clap for you, great job. You don't walk out of the door and think you treat the guy that's driving you like trash, right? The cat that hold the door for you, you acting as if, nah, you're supposed to hold the door for me, right? It's cats that go in rooms and they speak at people, right? Not speaking to people because they feel as if once they get out on the stage, a mistake that people make. They think when they get invited to speak to a certain group, certain company, right? That cat's just inviting you to speak because, one, yeah, they might want to learn from you. Two, yeah, they want to hear what you got to say. But a lot of cats think they're important. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll never forget watching a speaker. And I was in a room with one of my dudes back up in Tennessee. It was in the early years. And a dude speaks, right, does his thing. And my man is thinking, like, no, I'm the man. I'm the most important dude in the room, right? And the dude wanted to take a picture with him. One of my older dudes. And, you know, he took a picture with him, but he kind of brushed him off. And the dude was like, oh, okay. And the dude he brushed off, my man owned 50 hotels.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Owned 50. Yeah. Like the whole right? person.
2: And he just in there, he chilling. Like he ain't, trying to, he ain't trying to be loud. My man owned 50 hotels and drive a Honda. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if you see him, your perception, you might be thinking with your ego. If you popping and you got whatever you got and you see my man. I remember the first time I was sent to meet him. And they was like, yeah, he on 50 Holt. They telling me about him, and I'm riding around a lot.
0: Where is he? <laughs> I'm like, where is he? Where he at, mine. though? I'm thinking
2: like, <laughs> race? I'm like, I'm surely thinking like, my man got 50 of them. He up here in that thing. <laughs>
0: I'm
2: riding around. I'm like, I don't see him. What is he driving? It was like, he in the Honda. I was like, oh, my man been here. Right? <laughs> and I go meet him, bro, the most chill, nicest person in the world. And I think that's a lesson for a lot of cats to learn. You know, even when you're doing what you're doing and you're having a level of success, man, bravo. You know, good riddance to you that things are going well. But always understanding, man, like being smart about your gift and understanding sometimes, man, that new money loud, that old yeah. money quiet. Mm-hmm. That's Watch perfect. how
0: you treat people. Uh, Yo, know, it's like per- you, it's, it's, it's perfect timing because uh, you said success. So I wrote down another one of my favorite quotes. It was like, it's easy to acquire excess success and not uh, acquire fulfillment. Absolutely. Can you talk about that? Yeah, man. Like that, That's the word.
2: Yeah, man. That's success. You know, and it's all individual to us all, what that means. like To a certain cat, it could be making whatever he makes, and that's cool. To A certain cat, it could be, man, I get up and I go to work every day. I make it back home, take care of my children, take them to the ball game. It's all individual. But, like, we do work here at the Home to Shelter, downtown Atlanta, with Atlanta Mission. And you coming in, you see the kids, and you serve the women food, and you talk to the youngins, you know what I'm saying? The young adults, man, what's up? Talk to them about life. And like I tell them all the time, bro, like, it ain't nothing wrong with being rich. Like, don't let nobody trick you, right? Because you want to be rich. You want to make money. Like, handle your business. Do your thing. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But I always tell them one of the easiest things in the world is to acquire success and not capture fulfillment. And you might have to navigate, and it might take you a while to get there. it take us all a while to get We don't just get there overnight. But when you get to a certain point, make sure you're doing something that fulfills you because our work is going to take up a lot of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not doing something that's fulfilling us, you can have success. And if you're not careful, you could become a public success. But behind closed doors, you're a private failure. Not because you don't have the skill set and talents, but it's gotten you to a place that your skill sets and your talents can't sustain you. And so making sure you're fulfilled while you're capturing success is
0: important. Another inspiration. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, have, I have one last question for you, yes, sir. How do you, I was just thinking about this as far as the public speaking realm, you personally, mm-hmm. how do, do you market yourself to, to these companies or do companies just come to you? Like, how's that? Because in my brain, I'm like, how would you know somebody wants you to speak? I guess once you get to a certain level, right. people are calling you like now at this point in your career. Mm-hmm. But did you ever at any point market yourself to Organizations, companies, sports teams, like, hey, I do public speaking and da 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 da, or was it always them just coming to you?
2: Nah, early on, I partnered. Um, I partnered with a lot of agencies and speaking bureaus uh, that I felt had the same values and morals that I had. Like, I went to meet with a lot of them, and they're all over the country. You got bureaus here in Atlanta, Nashville, New York, California, Chicago, and you talk to them and you tell them your goals, your dreams, your aspirations. And some cats are going to be like, cool, that works. Or some cats are going to be like, no, nah, that's, that's not for us. And so I partnered with a lot of them and they will put me in these different rooms. And a thing that I was aiming for was when I did a conference, whether it was in education, sports, corporate, I wanted it to be more so of a national conference. So it's people from all over the world. And so when they come, even though I came to serve this group, like it's going to be people that's going to leave and go back to different markets that's going to probably follow up and hit me up and say, man, I love what you did at that education conference. I love what you did at that corporate conference. And then when I go speak for them, the way I built built my audience was, when I would follow up with them, I would say, hey, man, if you enjoyed what you experienced, this is in the early days, if you enjoyed what you experienced, are there three companies or three other groups that you would refer me to that you think could benefit from my services? Mm. And from that point, I continued to build up my clientele and manage it from there. Now,
1: that's so key because yeah. um, I'm a financial advisor. And when I was like in my early stages of trying to build my financial planning book, that's one thing that they really taught me was like referrals. Mm-hmm. Either you're going cold call or you're going to get referrals. Absolutely. And me like cold calling, like I rob a bank before I cold call. Like I just, <laughs> I hate cold calling. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it just, it's, it's, it's just the worst thing in the world. So I'm like, if I'm going to be successful, I have to find a way to get mm-hmm. referrals. And um, I had developed a system in place where I used to have a sheet with like five names on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first five names was friends and family. So after the end of the closing the situation, because the worst thing you can do is close a deal and that's it, Mm because then you get paid and now you gotta try to find something. And that's like, that's the worst thing in the world. So I used to ask them like, who do you know that can benefit? (laughs) And then a lot of times they'll say like, well, I'm not really sure, I don't know. Then the second half of the sheet was like, all right, just had a kid, just lost a job. So mm. now I'm not asking you randomly. I'm specifically saying like, all right, these are the criteria. Yeah. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not leaving without three names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's
0: listen up, man. This is a yeah. true story. Like this is a fact. Like he came yeah. to my house with this. Yeah. I'm looking at him like yo, Shadi, you know the same people I know, bro. Like, I don't <laughs> know what you want me to do.
1: He's like, nah, I think of your co-workers there, bro. I'm like, all right, man, I guess Nah, nice, like, it's you don't you don't unless unless mm-hmm. you in a I think everybody at some point in time should take a sales job, a commission-based job, because it teaches you to be a a real wolf out here. And unless you have never been able to do that, you don't fully appreciate the value of referrals. Mm. Because most people, you don't need a referral. But then you realize referrals are life and everything helps you. So now even with the podcast, it's like I might ask, yo, can you introduce me to this person? And that's how we get a lot of our guests. The same type of system is referrals, right? And it's like, once you learn one system, you can put it in place for everything. So, nope. that's dope. And I didn't know that it was actually agencies. I guess it's like booking agents. Yeah, So, that makes a lot, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. It's like, alright, they vet you out. They believe your story. You might be good. And then, once you actually get big enough, you don't need that anymore.
2: Mm. Yep. Go independent. But mm. also, you can meet some of them cats, man, and they'll go crazy for you man Cats to get you a lot of opportunities
1: like what's some of the names of the other the best companies so
2: you got um executive speakers bureau you got um athletes and sports entertainment you got um man you got shh, you got big speak out in mm-hmm. california like it's a ton so there's a them. whole
1: industry
0: it's like a ton of them man. that represent
1: public speakers it's a ton of them
0: so public speaking is your thing now but mm-hmm. well, what's your relationship with the thing you grew up with loving and dedicating the first 20 years of your life with what's your relationship with football still follow yeah. it you still love it yeah
2: yeah i love it man and i do work with the nfl I work with um ncaa you work with a lot of schools and groups in terms of colleges mm-hmm. so i'm very close to it because it's something that you know, i care about you know and like i've been in them nfl teams when you know i was sitting in the back and they got several different speakers and they got the financial literacy guy coming up, they got the tax guy coming up, you know, they got the state planning guy coming up to speak, and it's optional, you know. And I'm there and I'm speaking after one of these dudes. I've been in there when cats would leave the room, you know what I'm saying? And then you see a cat three years later going through it on TV, losing everything, and you think back, like, man, my man wasn't even in the meeting. Yeah. When the dude was presenting about this stuff, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so being in there, man, and being passionate about you know, just some of the rates and the statistics of athletes, you know, how cats get finished with the game and divorce rate or, you know, the bankruptcy rate, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being locked into that and making sure I touch on all those aspects as well. is something that's very important to me. Uh,
1: Been a pleasure, brother. Thank you for joining us. sir. Definitely a lot of free game, a lot of inspiration, motivation. And I, like I said, I feel like everybody should share their journey. and it's like no matter what the platform is you might share it with 10 people on Instagram you might share it with a million people in a best selling book but it's like never discount your worth by the amount of people that are consuming it because that stops a lot of people too where they are like only got 10 likes on my post. like you know what I'm saying but Mm -hmm. you never know that one like might have changed somebody's life like you might have stopped somebody from committing suicide you never know like you know what I'm saying like if you look at it from that standpoint it was worth it it's not about like the millions of people that'll come if, if it's God's plan. But, you know, I just feel like, you know, a lot of times people, even myself, like I've been wanting to do what we do now as far as, but I was just discouraged. Cause I'm like, who cares about it? Who cares about financial literacy? Like, yeah, like people are going to look at me like it's corny. Da, 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 and then it's like, if I would have started five years ago, we would have <laughs> been way even further than we are now. So I, I just think that stories like yours is just amazing from so many different standpoints. So, Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, what would you like to tell the public? Uh, Any ventures, book, uh, social media handles, all that.
2: Now, first off, man, I want to thank thank you both, man, just for the opportunity. You know, I want to thank you all for your platform. Man. Y'all add a lot of value uh, to just the community. I'm saying it's been catch that I don't have sit down and watch uh, y'all interviews when y'all talk about certain things when it came to financial literacy because where we come from, like me specifically a lot of things i didn't learn like mm-hmm. nobody passed down certain knowledge bases to me about certain things like when i got out of college nobody told me how to get a house i had to figure that out with well, my wife my wife lost both her parents when she was 7 mm-hmm. we had to figure that out we had to figure out accounts we had to figure out taxes like i remember the first time i paid 250,000 in taxes you know what i'm saying and my man my cpa was looking at me like you got it? <laughs> yeah, I got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, syrup sandwiches. You know I got it. Ain't all your plans. You know what I'm saying? But having to learn Real that zone six, man. You know what I'm saying? And having to go through that trial and error. And after that, you know, waking up and paying attention and understanding how to get in better positions. So, you know, some of these things won't have to happen. And so for y'all to do what y'all do and the way that y'all do it, man, it's an honor and it's a privilege to everybody out there, man, keep pressing. You will keep your head up, man. Stay focused. I appreciate. I appreciate that. How can how can they follow you on social media? Uh, Inky Johnson motivate on Instagram. Inky Johnson on the other social media uh, platforms. It's just Inky Johnson motivate because a cat hacked me and took my name, so I couldn't man. be. Inky oh, did Johnson. they? Yeah, when, when hacked me, man. Re- recently? Yeah, like a, like, like was it last year. Last year. Oh, yeah, so you got to start hacked. back from zero? Yeah. Cat hacked my whole joint. And so I had to come back with the Inky Johnson Motivate. And uh, But it's Inky Johnson on Twitter, Facebook, and InkyJohnson.com. What's the books? Books. Right now, Inky Johnson. Cats, them, inflated them. Don't buy them. We're going to get them back on our site because Cats just bought them, and they put them online, and they jacked up the prices. Oh, man. I ain't trying to knock Cats Hustle or none, but. You ain't got to pay 100 for my book, man. Right now. You know what I'm saying? Right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but just wait on it, man. We got it coming. All right. All
1: right. Troy, how's it going? Shout
0: out to everybody on Patriot.com. You know that's our Proud to Pay program. Everybody that is in a tier five, you are... A member of EYL University, the number one place for anything business, entrepreneurship, and finance, man. So shout out to all the earners that's on there, learning and executing on the information. That's the most important thing. We're not just hoarding the information. We're actually executing on it. So every time we share a story, it's encouraging to us to keep going and adding more value. And uh, shout out to everybody that's been supporting the merch. See, Shady got that, that olive one. I ain't get that one yet, but uh, yeah. we have to talk to Mike. Yeah, Mike, we was got, good? We gotta we sure. got to get you some merch. get you some merch. Yeah, yeah, For sure, for sure. Yeah. So right. we appreciate everybody that's been patient uh and the support of that, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Shout out to EYO Network. We got a podcast network. We got the superstar Dave Shans in the building right now. Yeah. Sleepers for suckers. Yeah. Social, Social proof. proof podcast. Yeah. Burning it up Run right now. On your head top. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Ash Cash in the vault inside the vault inside the vault. Yeah. Um, shout out to Ian Market Mondays. So you know we 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 building a no new limit out. here man. Yeah, that's you a know fact. what?
0: We we need to have an inspirational speaker
1: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I think of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. So, <laughs> so thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace, peace. My graduates from my school being Forbes backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> A mic drop. <laughs> Bag drop. Bag drop.
3: Introducing Suite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone.